been a star of their season tonight. He showed the world what he could do. My God, a question. An extra gear for the freshman. Touchdown. And the freshman is off. Foot race. <laughs> They're looking at shoe bottoms and nothing else. Into the end zone. Touchdown. The freshman just ran it back to Philadelphia. The Future Freshman Podcast is all the way back. Season 2 is here, everybody. Welcome in. Uh, I know it's been a little while, but we are fully back. Life gets in the way, but things are back and rolling. Thank you, everyone, for reaching out and uh, getting up with me. Uh, Just checking on me from time to time. I do appreciate it, but uh, things are doing good now, and we are good to go. So here we are back with Season 2, and we're going to be focusing on first the spring game. Of course, I go every year to the spring game in North Carolina, so we're going to be checking that out first. going to dive in a little bit on what we can expect from the Tar Heels. I know this is a CFF Dynasty driven podcast, especially with the freshmen, but we're going to look a little bit more on the aspect as far as redraft Dynasty because there was a, an appearance by a freshman that I wasn't expecting, honestly, until a bowl game. So that'll be an interesting conversation as well. Also, uh, we had an interview with our friend Jeremiah Holloway. He's brand new to the Inside Carolina team. He just came over from South Carolina with the Gamecocks. So we had a cool discussion as far as what we can expect for the Tar Heels this year. What he's looking forward to, and then just his general uh, thoughts about fantasy football in general as well. So we're going to start off with that first, and then we're going to get into the spring game, look at some depth chart, and then we're going to talk about some big fish, small ponds. So be prepared. Here we go. All right, everybody. This is Brandon Sanders, uh, host of the Future Freshman Podcast on the campus of Ken. I'm with Jeremiah Holiday. He's the brand new uh, oh. <laughs> Holloway. <laughs> Jeremiah Holloway for those who not watch. Uh, you can find him at JX Holloway on Twitter on there as well. He's a brand new guy for Inside Carolina. Uh, Jeremiah, you were recently with the uh, Gamecocks. How's the, the transition been from Columbia here to Chapel Hill? Yes, sir. So, yeah, I covered uh, the South Carolina Gamecocks for the state, which is the local paper down there in Columbia, South Carolina. So uh, I did football coverage before, uh, you know, kind of transitioning into that women's basketball coverage. Uh, you know, definitely great experience with both. I got here uh, this week, actually. So, you know, nice. kind of getting reacclimated to the area. I did attend UNC Chapel Hill, kind of getting reacclimated to my new spot and everything like that. So, so far, so good. Good, man. Well, I'm glad that you're back in Northern North Carolina. A uh, bit of a transition moving from basketball, women's basketball, successful season for the Gamecocks there and the girls. Moving on, and your first assignment, of course, is the spring game. And, of course, the first episode for our season for the podcast is the spring game as well. Uh, me being an Avatar Hills fan for a very long time since birth is that one. A very close following with these guys, but at the same time, we're here for fantasy football purposes. But uh, I know you're going to cover these guys more importantly. So some of the main questions that we had is coming in. We have just a plethora of running backs. We have a brand-new offensive coordinator in Chip Lindsay. Lindsay coming over from UCF. Uh, his recent one is Isaiah Bowser, who people are really big on as far as the running back game. Do you see Chip uh, Lindsay's uh, balance coming into play here, or do you still think this is a uh, Craig May running gun type situation and the receivers are going to have the, uh, the showcase this year? For sure. Well, I think for one thing for certain, you definitely want to kind of lean on Drake May because of the fact that he was for a large, long period of last year, uh, definitely a high speed candidate. Uh, I think now when you kind of look at the, the new weapons that they have around them, I think today will be a good opportunity to see kind of what they you know want to do. Uh, I know Matt Brown was saying that he wanted to kind of resort to having you know fewer guys, I guess, in the running back rotation. Not you know from a depth perspective, but just from a usage perspective. Can we get down to having a guy? You know, I right. think uh, that was kind of his message for them. And I think with the wide receivers, obviously, they added a lot of speed. Uh, so one thing that you want to do, you want to definitely take advantage of that speed. You want to take advantage of guys that can get open. Uh, I know you know, the last couple of years, that's kind of been a little bit of a struggle. You know, last year, Josh Downs was kind of their main 
guy they knew how to get over. Uh, Green made some plays for them as well, Antoine Green. Uh, the year before that was, you know, probably even more difficult. But I think this year you have guys that, you know, could potentially get open and could potentially be playmakers. So uh, I think definitely uh, if you're Chip Lindsey, you want to kind of be able to spread the field out a little bit. I got you. Who's uh, the guy that you think is uh, going to take the place? I mean, we have our favorites, of course. Ours would be Tess Walker coming up from Kent State. One of the higher transfer moved from a three-star to four-star over here to 24-7 sports. So he's highly anticipated, a freak of an athlete, on 23 miles per hour. So he's an absolute stud. We think he's playing on the outside, but I don't know if you've heard more where he might play a little bit other places. But uh, other than Tez, who's the, some of the guys that you're expecting to stand out, especially in the game today? Well, I want to see what uh, what a player like Caleb Hood probably could do. You know, yeah. he obviously had the, the injury last year, kind of was sidelined. He was, you know, a productive guy. Didn't quote-unquote score all the touchdowns, but he gave them a lot of great yardage. So he's somebody that I want to see, you know, kind of what uh, he's going to be able to kind of come back and be able to do things like that. Obviously, British Brooks, another player, you want to kind of come back, you know, see him, what they can kind of do in their return. Uh, so I think, you know, from a running game standpoint, receiver, it seems like, you know, you're pretty much – not good in the sense you haven't seen them yet in real game action, but you know you probably are confident. So I think with running backs, you know you definitely want to kind of take a look at what they can do, see if they can kind of build on some of the things that they were able to do, and uh, and move on from there. Yeah, we're definitely hoping that someone stands out here pretty quickly as well. Um, another cool thing that came over: a former NFL coach Freddie Kitchens is now the tight ends coach here at uh, Carolina. So we're glad to have Freddie. Uh, what's something that you can expect? Brian Nisbet was used as wide receiver, tight end. He's a guy that moves and fluctuates throughout the field. We're expecting big things from Nesbitt. Uh, of course, we still got Kamari Morales and a couple other guys that are coming back. What do you expect well, with Freddie Kitchens now being here as the tight ends coach? Well, uh, experience? Freddie Kitchens is another man that came just from uh, Columbia up to Chapel Hill he like did. I did. He yeah. was uh, down there as an analyst. I think he followed you, yeah. <laughs> he might have. Uh, you know, South Carolina, and I'm going to bring him up for this reason, they were a team that liked to get creative with their tight ends. Very much um, you know, they had Jaheim Bell down there. They had Austin Stalker down there. Yep. They had Nate Atkins down there. They kind of found a way to use him. The reason I bring that up is because, uh, you, you know, bringing a guy like that kind of to North Carolina and kind of that mindset of, you know, this is the ways we can get creative, not just from a blocking standpoint, but how can we get these guys the ball in space? Uh, so I wonder if, you know, that's kind of, you know, maybe that might be part of the strategy uh, that they try to employ. So, uh, you know, tight end is a position that has changed a lot in the last several years. You know, they're fullbacks, they're receivers, they're like, they're everything now. So, right. um, you know, blockers as well as they've always been. So uh, certainly be interesting to see how they kind of use it. Martin Morales, veteran, has been around. So, uh, you know, certainly interesting to see how they use it. So one of the pain points have been the defense recently right. for the Tar Heels. Uh, you know, some late uh, season things have cost us the champs at our chance at a championship. Uh, as far as ACC, we still got the championship. Still a little bit tougher road to get there near the end. It kind of fizzled out. Uh, what do you think uh, Coach Chizik and the rest of the defense can do this year? Uh, and what are you seeing so far being back in Carolina as far as the defense and the improvements since last season? Certainly. Well, I think, you know, not too many places to go but up. Right. Uh, a lot of, and I understand it's the spring game, I understand it's exhibition, right. but I am curious to see just how the performance looks now uh, because you do have those speedy guys on the outside. You do have some of those running backs coming in to kind of see what this defense can do. Uh, now, obviously you lose, you know, some secondary guys uh, to the transfer portal, things of that nature. So I think really what you will see, you just have to see who's going to be able, who's going to be the ones that, that step up really in those roles um, and, you know, pretty much going from there. Last season, Robert Breck gave up about 30 points per game. Yes. Can you cut that number down a little bit? Uh, you know, sometimes uh, special teams or pick six, whatever, can feed into that. But really when you look at it and you watch some of those games, it's just really difficult for them to stop anybody. So uh, I think today will be a an interesting litmus test to see, you know, you're going against a talented offense that doesn't quite have an identity, but it does have a lot of skill. Uh, so we'll see how they perform today.
absolutely, man. All right, so the quarterback position is clear as day now. We have Drake May, the Heisman contender, guy that uh, is being looked at already in draft boards, guys like Pat McAfee show, other ones that are already touting Caleb Williams from USC and Drake May from UNC to be the top two guys that come into the draft. It's generational talent is what they said. So even better than the guys that we're seeing this year, like Bryce and CJ and all those guys are being drafted. So with Drake kind of being there, Connell Harrell now has the second one. He's quick to win the second spot. We're happy about that. Uh, what do you think about, have you seen Tad Hudson? Uh, you know, we, we lost uh, Jane Davis and the opportunity to lose him to Michigan. Do you think later on as the year progresses and we get these other commitments, do you think we're going to get a four-star, five-star, someone of the caliber of Drake that transferred back from Alabama? Do you think we have the possibility of getting another one to compete with Carnal next year? Yeah. Well, I'll say this, uh, you know, having, you know, kind of returned and not falling as, you know, on the ground close as, you know, uh, you know, I will be, you know, coming down the line. What I will say is this. Um, when you look at a precedent that has been set forth, you know, I think a lot of times if you see, if you're a recruit and you see someone having success in your position before you get there, that automatically kind of turns, I guess, the light bulb in your head, if you will, to be like, you know, X, Y, and Z did this at, at, let's say, North Carolina. You know, maybe I want to kind of do something like that and kind of make some noise and kind of make some things happen. Kind of to your point, Drake May has established himself as the guy, to say the least, uh, you know, this year in comparison to last year. Um, I am interested to see, now there's more film out on Drake May, what some of those ACC opponents and even some of those out-of-conference opponents, how they're going to prepare for him, uh, you know, kind of coming into this season with the expectations that's already been placed on him. He's a guy that he can make pretty much any throw. Uh, I, I look at the guy and I'm watching him play. There's just a variety of throws that the guy knows how to make. So it will be interesting to see, despite the film out there, what he's going to kind of be able to do. But I guess as far as other quarterbacks, you know, being attracted to North Carolina, uh, they've had several pro guys in the last few years, yeah. Sam Howell and, and Mitch Trubisky as well. So, um, yeah, I think there's you know, certainly a possibility that people see that. And even what Drake May is doing is saying, hey, you know, this might be a place where I can come and be successful. Gotcha, man. So, questions that we always ask. Have you ever played fantasy football or dabbled in that in the past as well? I, I have a little bit. I want to okay. say, yeah, I played. I did play this year. I did, okay. My team was not great. Uh, they started off okay. You know, we had a little bit of a win streak, got to 500. I think we lost the last, what, three games or whatever it was. Uh, but, yeah, I've dabbled a little bit. I got you. Who's, uh, just random saying, who's one of your favorite fantasy players that you've ever drafted? Oh, man. Trying to, oh man, I had a receiver from uh from Denver kind of before he got. I'm trying to remember which person. Cortland Sutton. One year I had Cortland Sutton, and it was like before people really knew he was kind of yeah. good. And he kind of gave me some points and some productions. So I appreciate it. Oh, Justin Fields was my guy this year. There we go. I started out with uh, no disrespect, Matthew Stafford. He was kind of he, he, he was selling for me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I picked up Justin Fields late in the year, and he and he thirties, forties on. Yeah, I'm actually a Denver guy as far as pro, so I, I like okay. the I like the Denver play. That was really good. Cool, man. Uh, well, we hope we can uh, tickle your fancy as far as the college side. Knowing there's a fantasy football off camera, uh, me and Jeremiah had a discussion about DraftKings, Vandal, things like that, where you can start playing. Told him you can play in certain leagues. So if he just wants to start an ACC, he can dab with you know, fills water. If he just wants to draft all Tar Heels, maybe he does SEC, just does all Gamecocks, whatever he wants to do. But now he's aware of Campus of Canton, that there's CFF out there that you can do it as well. Man, uh, Jeremiah, thanks so much for your time, man. I appreciate you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, sir. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, I hope you like the cameo from uh, from some country music in the background. They were trying to serenade us and uh, get us ready as people were coming into the building. Uh, 
traffic was crazy, so we had to uh, record uh, shortly before uh, kickoff there at the spring game. But uh, we were able to get it done. Uh, super excited to meet Jeremiah. Um, if you can, please go give him a follow, JX Holloway, on Twitter. Um, anything and everything inside Carolina. So if you're doing basketball or football, that would be the way to go as well. So go check him out if you can and show him some love and tell him thank you for uh, hopping on the podcast with us as well. Uh, we'll definitely we'll have him back probably next year as well. So going forward, you'll see a little bit more of him as we talk some Tar Heels and talk about CFF purposes. Speaking of, so we were able to kind of visit there, uh, kind of take it all in, and we're definitely going to get started here. And we're going to show the one here of course if you're on the youtube channel you'll be able to see all the graphics that's coming up for your audio of course we're just calling this 2023 spring game time to go uh start with episode 16 which is uh season two episode one so we're definitely going to get it going here of course uh before we start just go check us out at campuscan.com uh, articles tools guides memberships and so so much more please go check us out um just give the website a click uh if you can join the nll tier membership that way you get access to all the guides that are coming out we are getting ready to start in the cff guide pretty soon so very excited about that definitely able to uh, dive in there and give you guys something that we uh, are all very proud of um I know the guys absolutely crushed it last year. So I'm very excited that the whole team is going to be able to kind of hop on board and help out with this one. So it should be a lot more in-depth and should help you win some leagues here for your redraft and maybe even some dynasty aspects. So be looking out for that over at campstinkcanton.com. Of course, we're still sponsored by Price Picks. Of course, you can use the promo code C2C, get a match deposit up to $100. Um, they do have some futures already for the NFL if you're interested in that. Of course, they have stuff ongoing for XFL and USFL. I know Ethan over at uh, Bet on C2C uh, with the podcast that we have over there as well. He's been doing a fantastic job on those uh, on those uh, lines as far as uh, XFL and USFL. So he's making him some money, and I'm very proud of him for it. But uh, he's keeping us in the loop, and we still are playing DFS pretty regularly. But but uh, go check that out with the promo code C2C at uh, Price Picks. All right. So being at the game, I was able to kind of sit down. We we're looking at the warm-ups and stuff like that. Before we dive into this depth chart, so of course, if you're looking on YouTube, you can actually see it in real time. Um, but if you're not, we're going to break it down a little bit for our audio guys that are going to hear us on the podcast. So first and foremost, I want to say, you know, Drake May is a given, right? He's should, He should already have him in CFF Dynasty. Redraft, he's a given. He's going to go first round possibly second if he falls. I doubt that's a possibility, but people have some you know, qualms about Chip Lindsey and the new offense. Completely understandable. But here's the thing that people need to know is that Drake May looks absolutely fan-freaking-tastic when it comes to his footwork. Um, I know he's recently hired the quarterback coach that helped Tom Brady, and that's a big-time thing, and you can definitely see it in motion, especially when he's doing warming-ups and when he was escaping the pocket. I know uh, Coach Longo wanted him to be a little bit more mobile versus him being more of an in-pocket type uh, quarterback. But even in a Chip Lindsey offense, it seems like not much has changed, to be honest with you. It's definitely looking a lot uh, very similar. Uh, the only difference is there is going to be a more established run that I can see, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But Drake May looks fantastic on his feet. He's able to skip the pocket. He looks NFL ready right now. So for all our C2C listeners that are you know doing uh, you know their, their things like that, I'm pretty sure Drake May is already taken for, but if there's a way you can go trade for him, I'd do it. Um, I see a situation to where possibly in the future – we're looking at possibly the Texans who have been rumored to maybe not take a quarterback. They're thinking about taking best available, which is like possibly Will Anderson at defense. But if they choose to do that and tank on quarterback and just play out Davis Mills or whoever they pick up randomly as a free agent, uh, it's very possible get, get like Drake May or even Caleb Williams could fall to them. Um, there's a situation where if Jordan Love doesn't live up to his 
uh, hype there in Green Bay. Uh, you know, he has a one-year thing before they're going to resign him. If Jordan Love is not the answer, we could see a Drake May in, at Green Bay uh, with guys like Christian Watson and, uh, you know, other weapons that are young that have plenty of room to work with. Um, you could also see Caleb Williams there. So definitely is something that where if you don't have Drake May, I would look at him because, you know, people are saying that this is a generational type guy. Um, I think that's high praise. And I don't think that it's not out of the qualm of responsibility or qualm out of, you know, that's the real deal. But Drake is very special and you can definitely see in the way that he plays. So let's go to what I saw lining up. So when they're doing the warmups, we had the lineup. Of course, we have the transfer of Tez Walker, who's highly touted. I think he's going in early third rounds. He's he's very high up there in the wide receiver one. Of course, you go check out Campus uh, Camp Skin at the website to look at the ranking and or check out the CTN podcast, Jason Natty with Jared and the guys there. They can kind of tell you where he's lining up at wide receiver. But he is playing on the outside. He is the guy that's going to take the top off the de- uh, defenses. He's super, super fast, clocked at 23 miles per hour. And just the way that, of course, Carolina's defense isn't nothing to come right a home about. I'll be honest with you, not much has changed out of the defense. So I expect Carolina to have to outscore their opponents in order to win the season, which is big for CFF purposes. So Tez Walker would be the main target. Another one that I really saw was Kobe Pesor. Uh, very much as the scrimmage started, he was early and often. He was getting targeted and peppered very quickly. So if there's somehow that Pesor has not been picked up in your dynasty leagues, if you have a more of a shallow type one where you only can keep it, or even in a, a C2C type situation, I think he would be a good one to pick up as a waiver option. Uh, but Pesor is a really good uh, play. He got it really often, but near the end of the game, Pesor and McCollum, uh, they switched out quite a bit. So Nate McCollum is the other transfer coming from Georgia Tech. Uh, and we found out after the game uh, that Coach Brown was saying that both Walker and McCollum was um, actually recruited by Drake May personally. So Tez being from the Charlotte area, um, Drake already knew about Tez uh, before he went to Kent State. Uh, and so coming over, it was an easy transition to go back home for Walker. And then McCollum, uh, during that game against Georgia Tech, Drake May fell in love with McCollum the way that he played. Um, saw him as a guy that was very close as far as routes running and uh, his hands close to what he saw from Josh Downs. I think Josh Downs being a little bit more superior as far as both of those options. But the fact that he recruited both of these guys to come over says a lot. And that also means that he's going to favor them quite a bit. Um, whereas I think uh, guys like Pesor has just proven himself over time with the coaches and he's uh, got a report with Drake May. So those are the guys, the three that you want to target. On the other side, things got a little interesting. So Gavin Blackwell, um, he's still fully healthy doing his thing. We saw an emergence of a wide receiver that is a freshman, and we'll talk about him in just a second, that I saw come up. And, of course, on YouTube, you're seeing it. It's Christian Hamilton. He is a four-star that is coming into North Carolina this season. I honestly was not expecting Hamilton or his counterpart, uh, Chris Culliver, to uh, be in this type of lineup. Maybe I thought maybe thirds of fours or, you know, trying to do their thing and practices. But the fact that Hamilton got run behind Blackwell with the second team with the uh, emerging quarterback, Connor Harrell, that's very interesting to me, especially for dynasty purposes. Now, I do have to include that both Nesbitt was not in uniform. I was uh, mistaken in my tweets earlier this uh, past couple of days ago. Um, so Nesbitt wasn't there, neither was JJ Jones still dealing with injury. And of course, uh, George Petaway, also a passing catching back was not in uniform either. And that has something to probably do with why British Brooks and Caleb Hood got more looks as the, uh, second team. But the fact that Christian Hamilton is now, uh, you know, playing right behind Blackwell is very interesting to me. 
And so we're going to take a look at Christian Hamilton here. Of course, on three consensus, 89.50, four-star athlete committed to North Carolina. Uh, this is impressive because Culver is actually a little higher. I think he's a 90-92 overall, so he's a little bit higher end of a four-star compared to Hamilton. But the fact that Hamilton is getting looks right away and he's in for spring and he's actually um, getting looks with Carnell Harrell and with the second team like Brooks and Caleb Hood. Uh, so this sets up decent for the future. If he can kind of continue this, we might not see him a whole, whole lot unless there's an injury in play, which, you know, we hope that never is the case. But the fact that he is already getting looks with Carnell Harrell, they're building chemistry. They're working a lot together and practices and stuff like that. So already for the spring. That's intriguing to me, especially for CFF Dynasty purposes. So if we go back to the slide here, the targets, I put Connor Hill as Dynasty, Christian Hamilton in his Dynasty, and of course, other three wide receivers. But running back, um, if you're looking for redraft this year, if you're a DFS player like me and you want to stack some uh, options for you, Elijah Green, Amari, and Hampton are your top two guys at running back. So that I guess they are looking at them as both a Javante Michael Carter type situation. Hampton being the more of the slower back, uh, he hasn't gained too, too much speed since offseason, but he does look good. He's making a little bit more decisions going into the gaps, whereas Elijah Green looks fan-freaking-tastic. Um, he's quick, he's elusive, and he did a great job getting some uh, some quick yards very quick and very early in the spring game. So Elijah Green and Martin Hampton are going to be your looks, but if you're looking for depth, uh, for waiver wires, for Dynasty or in redraft later on in the season in case there's injury there, British Brooks was next up, followed by Caleb Hood. So we saw, I think, all the way up to like four running backs last season, and as they rotated, they're just trying to find the guy. So Coach Brown was saying that, they're trying to just separate them because they all are great talent, but they're just trying to find two emerging ones that they can rotate in general. So far, they're really liking Green and they're liking Hampton. So they're going to be the ones that we want to kind of take a look at. So in general, I'd say we need to take a look at Christian Hamilton. I wouldn't say that he's a guy that you have to jump up and draft right away in a supplemental or a freshman draft, but it's a guy that you need to probably put a star on and probably look at because – though I don't think he really will play a lot more until the bowl game coming up later in the season. If we do get a bowl game, I'm, I'm not, I can't assume now, but uh, you know, I'm hoping that we, we kind of continue with the success that we have there. But if we do make the bowl game, you probably see Hamilton there as we see probably uh, Tez and likely Drake and those guys prepare for the draft because they are really, really great talent. And after a season, if they can work really, really good together, I think that's going to help quite a bit as far as their draft stock. And so then we'll see the emergence of Connor Harrell, and then now we have a guy like Andre Green Jr. who's right behind Tez. Tez is personally, uh, you know, taking Andre Green Jr. out of under his wing and trying to prep him for the next, uh, you know, development. So hopefully Green will be the next guy up. We'll see probably a little bit more uh, Pesor as well as I don't think he has. I think Pesor has one more uh, season after this that he can play. And then of course you got um, Hamilton that could possibly take over on the other side as we figure out where Chris Culliver and all those guys that are coming in later are uh, going to kind of be in play here. But that's where we want to sit. We will definitely want to focus on the Christian Hamilton name because that was surprising to see a, a new number seven, not Sam Howe. So this number seven is carrying on the legacy there at North Carolina. But it's cool to see a freshman already getting some looks. Um, this is uh, a great to see, and I'm glad that he's developing chemistry with both Harold and May already. So that is fantastic. All right, so next up, we got the Big Fish Small Pond. And, of course, this is one of my favorite segments. Love giving these to you guys. We got some really, really cool players last year, guys like RJ Maryland, of course, our guy Matthew, the golden one, golden. Uh, 
you know, these guys are great. Zion Turner turned out really good. Now we're seeing a guy like Jackson Daly out of uh, Arkansas State, who we talked about last year. Now he's getting some looks as far as starting quarterbacks. So we've got some guys that uh, we definitely hit on, and we want to do that um, again. And so we've got to start off with the biggest fish in the smallest pond now. Uh, just like, you know, some of the other podcasts that you may have heard, I'm having to adjust having guys like Houston and UCF, all these guys, not G5 anymore. So now the G5 pool has come, you know, down. Usually it's like, hey, I'll just I'll find a Houston receiver. I'll, uh, you know, I'll go and see what UCF has got it running back, you know, things like that. And see guys coming in usually at the G5 level. I'm like, all right, this could probably be biggest fish, uh, you know, small pond. That's where we found Matthew Golden coming from Houston last year. Of course, they were considered G5 last year. Now they're big 12. So they play in a much higher competition. They're considered P5. So those guys we can't do. So we definitely need to dig a little bit deeper. And that's what we're going to do. And there's a guy that came to my mind. And a guy that I saw immediately that sprung out to me and think that uh, he could be something. Now it's the offense and the system that he plays in that will be a little bit more questionable, but who better to help me out than a special guest that I have as well. Of course, she is the modern day Audrey Hepburn of the sports world. She is a uh, queen of G5 that I call her as well. A graphics connoisseur and uh, she is an air raid queen herself. And that's Miss Hannah Page, and she's going to give us the G5 minute. So let's see what she has to say, and then we're going to dig into the Big Fish Small Pond. The Colorado State Rams had bowl potential in 2022, keyword being potential. However, the Rams went 3-9 and nine in year one under Jay Norvell, who had spent the past five seasons with Nevada. The Rams did beat Nevada, Hawaii, and New Mexico, but there are always year one, or rather year zero, oddities with a new head coach and scheme. The Rams hired a nominal air raid coach, but as most have pointed out, quarterback Clay Millen was averaging just 23 pass attempts and 191 passing yards per game. Now the Rams head into 2023 with the Mountain West's second best recruiting class, which includes four-star running back Damian Henderson, who had offers from the likes of Arizona, Oregon, Washington, and Colorado. The six foot three, 185 pound Henderson dominated in high school and played in the same backfield as USC quarterback commit Malachi Nelson. In 2022, Henderson ran for 1,744 yards, averaged 9.1 yards per carry, yes, nearly 10 yards per carry, and posted 23 touchdowns. It seems likely that he cements a role for himself early on and forms a solid tandem with Avery Morrow. However, Colorado State's running backs room is light this spring as Morrow is suspended after a January arrest. Henderson will not be on campus until the summer. Efficiency wasn't an issue with Millen. He set a new program record for completion percentage in a season at 72.2%. He just didn't have enough time to get the ball out. Take spring reports and coach speak with a grain of salt, but it seems like the offensive line is making strides and Millen's play has matured. So what does that mean for Henderson? I think you'll see the Rams continue to adjust to the air raid system and lean a little bit more into it this season. And with a light running back room, they will be playing catch up. A lot depends on what becomes of Morrow's felony second degree assault charge. Everything is about as clear as mud, 
But at the very least, I would continue to keep Henderson on your radar. Well, guys, you heard it there first from Miss Hannah Page. She was able to break down the Colorado State offense, what her thoughts was of our big fish small pond, and that, of course, is Mr. Damian Henderson. He's an on-three consensus 89.29. He is a four-star overall, committed to Colorado State University. So we were talking about Norvell. We're talking about the air raid system. We're talking about our favorite Torrey Horton, who's very, very high in drafts, one of the top receivers and an emerging wide receiver, Justice Ross Simmons, uh, who was a true freshman last year and being a sophomore this year. So there's some weapons that's in process here, but here's where he can come into play and definitely help us out. So let's take a look. So his measurements is 6'2", some say 6'3", over 200 pounds now. He's 30th in the RB class, according to 24-7 Sports. And like Hannah mentioned, he is an alum from Los Alamitos High School. He finished his senior year there. Of course, he played behind Malachi Nelson, who is a USC commit for quarterback, as well as Makai Lemon, who also chose USC to go with his buddy Malachi and went to USC as well. So there was a lot of talent in this one. This is high competition in California. Uh you know, we had Damian Henderson leaving Long Beach uh, as far as his previous high school where he did run track and field. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But here's where a lot of people, um, they don't know a lot about Henderson. And I think it's because of the talent that was around him. So spending time with Chris Moxley, you know, having our brews and talking football and stuff like that before I went to the spring game. He mentioned that he's he's a circumstance of just being lost in the shuffle. Like he's the third best talent on his team. But any other high school team would love to have him and he would be a high state championship contender. And that's where I think he got lost in the shuffle and he fell to Colorado state, although he got a lot of great offers and we'll look at that as well. So let's look at some of his accolades. His senior season, he went for 184 rushes, uh, seven, 1,729 yards, 23 touchdowns, just like Hannah mentioned, 9.4 yards per carry, almost 10 yards per carry. So when he gets down, he gets busy. Um, just with the size that he is and as far as his weight, he's just able to kind of just move and shuffle, but he's very, very fast. So his junior season, he did not uh, too much more different, 127 rushes for 1,023 yards and nine touchdowns. And of course, that was eight yards per carry. So needs to say he's very efficient as far as finding the holes, getting to the second level and scoring as fast as he possibly can as well. Uh, he also ran track and field in his junior year. So here's something that I want to kind of bring up. So. He did 100-meter times, and his 100-meter times was 11 seconds, 11.03 seconds, 11.39 seconds, and 11.42 seconds. So needless to say, the uh, freshman coming in is very, very fast. He's quick and efficient. He also did the high jump, so he's got a lot of athletic abilities. So, you know, when we talk about guys like Tez Walker here previously, he's just an athletic freak, could probably play in the Olympics if he really wanted to. It'd be fantastic. I love seeing guys that run track and field just because, they can be, you know, as big as Damon Henderson is. He's got the athleticism, not saying that he's a Devin A chain as far as overall speed or anything like that, but he does have athletic ability, and that's going to help him in the long run as well. Um, so he did a high jump of 5'9", and he did the long jump of 17'10". So the guy can get up and move, and he's very, very agile, quick, and needs to say he can be available if he needs to be. Here's a thing as well is that he also can catch out of the backfield. And not a lot of people know that because of how gaudy that his running numbers are, but he did have over 12 receptions for 300 yards in a senior season. And he did get three receiving touchdowns averaging about 25 yards on average. So that is very good. When you're in a air raid system, I still think that, uh, you know, 
we have Clay Millinaire as well. If he gets in trouble, if he can't find Horton, or if he can't find Simmons, I think that this would be an option for a check down. And the good thing is that people aren't looking at Henderson as just a gunning, you know, running guy and just go up the middle and smash everybody. He can do that. But that's where I'm starting to see where if push comes to shove, they're going to be playing from behind Colorado State. Not the best defense, kind of similar to North Carolina like we talked about. So playing from behind, having to play catch up, having to get those extra yardages and get down to the goal line. I think Damian Henderson is a guy that we need to be looking at very, very closely. And I think because of his pedigree, um, the way that this made the Mountain West Conference made Colorado State one of the best recruiting classes in the conference, I think this is fantastic. Uh, this is a guy that I really, really want uh, to, to to highlight. And these are the offers that he got. So just like Hannah was telling you, Arizona offered him. Oregon, which was definitely an eye-opener. Washington's another eye-opener as well, both the Pac-12 schools. And, of course, Colorado. So if Coach Prime, who isn't hard to find, as he says, um, was looking at Damian Henderson as one of the guys that he wanted to bring in and possibly highlight. But the fact that he chose Colorado State, over that, of course, he had San Jose State, which is pretty cool, too. I mean, I'm always down to find some uh, really small G5 schools. He probably would have, you know, just had the whole team on his back at that point at San Jose State. But Colorado State is interesting. So I know typically people are like they're not they're not happy about that being in, uh, in a, a air raid system and having the running back there. But because of his catching up abilities, because every Morrow is suspended indefinitely, we don't know if he's going to be back by fall or not. Henderson's coming in the summer. And we've seen some running backs come in and uh, kind of just take over a good one. Of course, we talked about North Carolina. We'll just keep this going as far as the theme. Amari and Hampton, who was not there in the summertime last year. It was all George Petaway. He was the guy in the spring, and he was the one getting the major you know, reps to go along with some of the returning players. But it was ultimately Amari and Hampton that worked his way into the lineup very quickly and efficiently. And I think Damon Henderson is going to probably do the same, if I'm being honest with you. If we're looking at a guy that has a good head on his shoulders, he's athletic, um, he's coming in with a great work ethic, and he already knows how to win, and that's the best part. So that's where I think that Damon Henderson is the guy that we should look at first as the biggest fish in the small pond. You probably heard his name a few times already come up, but I'm looking for volume, and I'm looking for a guy that can touch the ball. A lot of people are system, system, systems, and I agree systems matter. So you guys like Nate, Jared, they're big on the system stuff. But I, for me, as long as you can touch the ball and can touch it quickly in your career in college, that's what I'm looking for ultimately. Just like uh, our friend Volume Pigs who does his uh, writing and stuff like that, he's looking for guys that are going to touch the ball immediately. Damian Henderson is definitely a candidate for that. So I definitely feel like because he's a catching back, not just a running back, I think he's going to get some play, and he can produce fantasy points, I think, quicker than what the other running backs that are going to other um, G5 schools can do first. So that's why I wanted to highlight him first. I just think he's super, super important. And I think that that's a guy that we need to be looking at definitely in uh, supplemental freshman drafts. And uh, I would, for me personally, I'd be taking him fairly high. I wouldn't say like in the, because there's guys we got to look at. We got to look at all the quarterbacks that are coming in, the high and wide receivers. So he's going to come down the list. But for me, like I think he can be, grabbed in the third or fourth round of a supplemental. And I think it'd be well worth your time and investment just because I think he would be able to produce for you and produce for you in year one. So that's why we want to focus on Mr. Damian Henderson. All right, guys. Well, that's going to be the episode for today. I appreciate you guys listening in. Uh, It's good to be back. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this one. I know it's a little bit unorthodox, but I wanted to start with something just unique and stuff like that. We are going to have the guests starting to come in. So you're going to start having me and then another guest. We're going to be talking about the freshmen that we want to highlight, why we think they're important, why you need to know the names, and why we need to start looking at what positions are going to fall 
what is it going to look like in a freshman draft? Uh, should we take these players over guys that are returning that maybe fall into a supplemental draft or we have transfers? Of course, we have new schools coming in like, uh, you know, Kennesaw State and things like that. So we got to look at what players are available in the pool to be able to draft this year to add to your dynasty teams. And of course, can any of these freshmen immediately make a difference in year one for your redraft league? So keep tuned in. We'll have a guest next week and we'll see you next time. Peace.